Empire. You thought you knew, but you have no idea. It's the urban sports scene. You are listening to the urban sports scene, part of Empire Media with a Will T, Ray Jeezy, and myself, Wole. What's your thoughts on the verdict, man? <clears throat> uh, my thoughts are the 12 jurors uh, took into consideration the overwhelming evidence, and from my opinion, they got it right. But to me, it's. Uh, you know, we can celebrate, <clears throat> or not not celebrate, but re- feel relieved that the justice process worked, mm-hmm. um, that George Floyd um, did not die in vain and his um, murderer was held accountable. Mm-hmm. But the reality is that <clears throat> this is, our, you know, death of African-American men um, at the hands of police is, is happening far too often. Yeah. And um, if you think about it, we'll be pretty much in the same, we'll be in the same space again around this time next year Mm. with the young man who was killed in Brooklyn City um, in uh, Minneapolis, excuse me, Minnesota, Mm -hmm. Minnesota. Yeah. So, yeah. And and it's almost, I'm, I'm not becoming numb to it. Yeah. But it's, um, you know, it, it's becoming a little bit too, it's becoming overwhelming, yeah. just to be honest with you. It's too frequent. <laughs> I mean, I know it yeah. sounds like, I mean, I'm not saying it's, ha- we're not saying that it's happening, you know, every second by the second, but it's too frequent. We're talking about, you're talking about individuals losing their lives, man. Like, and to your point, yeah, you're starting to come, and it sucks to say this, you're starting to become numb to the, to the, to the effect of saying, you know what, this is what happens to us. You know what I'm saying? And it sucks to say that, you know what I mean? Like, it sucks to say that, but it gets to a point where even with the ruling of, you know, guilty, you had the assumption, even though, you know, everything was, you know, we're in the age of cameras and, and whatnot, and it was in your face, but you already had the belief that, you know what, this dude about to get off. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that sucks. Well, I, mm-hmm. well, First of all, I want to go back. Um, I didn't mention the young man's name who was murdered by the cop, um, Dante Wright in yeah. Brooklyn City, mm-hmm. um, Minnesota. But um, the the thing for me, I, 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 I when when they came back with the after deliberating for eleven hours, I said they found him guilty yeah. on all charges mm-hmm. because the if you followed the case. The evidence was so overwhelming that I did. Um, I just believe that the twelve jurors um, took everything into account with a clear mind, clear heart, clear conscience, and I and I believe that they would do the right thing. Yeah, and they, and they did, man, and they, and they did. So props to them, man. Just hopefully, man, we can have like more hope in the in the justice in the uh, in the justice system. To be honest with you, in the in the in the, in the, in the system period. So. Um, but again, uh, also, uh, I'm going to 
continue my read. Empire uh, Media is uh, hosts multiple DMV sports podcast shows, such as the John Kahn Report, hosted by ESPN Washington Football Insider John Kahn, and Jones Football, hosted by USA Today's Insider Mike Jones. Uh, for in terms of the urban sports thing, you can subscribe to our podcast on Stitcher, Spotify, tune in iHeartRadio and Google Podcasts. Just search the Urban Sports Scene. Uh, tweet us at Urban Sports Scene and hit us up on our Urban Sports Scene Facebook page. Also join our Urban Sports Scene Facebook group. Search Urban Sports Scene. Sports bloggers, sports podcasters, and sports debates. Will T, can you say it real quick? Can you stretch it out? Let's get. Yep. <laughs> can we get into our tradition, the pregame? My man, so talking about like a soldier. <laughs> Here's what we have on tap. Uh, as part of our DMV Baller series, we'll talk with DMV Hoops legend Derek Wintenberg. Uh, he was also a key member of the 1982 to 83 NC State men's basketball national championship team. And at 8:40, we'll talk about Alex Smith retiring. And then finally, we'll debate whether Davey Martinez is part of the national struggles. Uh, Ray, but first. Yes, fellas, it's that time. And, you know, we've had some awesome, awesome guests on this show. And as I always say, it's a blessing to introduce some of these folks. But honestly, since we begin this D.C. area basketball series, I think this is maybe the most excited I've been because I was able to briefly chat with our guests last week, and I was just not feeling eager to get to this moment today. And here we are. With that being said, our guest for tonight is a native Washingtonian, born and raised, in the district, and later moved to Glenarden, Maryland, where he played his high school basketball at the renowned DeMatha Catholic High School, playing for one of the GOATs, Mr. Morgan Wooten. At DeMatha, our guests will go on to become a high school national champion and McDonald's All-American, with this individual being one of many notable stars on a McDonald's roster that featured the likes of Dominique Wilkins, James Worthy, and Isaiah Thomas, just to name a few. It's crazy. Also, just to note, that DeMatha National Championship squad was the first ever in school history. Next, our guest went on to excel at the collegiate hoops level by way of North Carolina State University while pairing with close friend and high school teammate Sidney Lowe. Under the guidance of the late, great Jim Valvano, our guest helped lead NC State to a national title in 1983, upsetting the heavily favored University of Houston and in the process making himself and Sidney Lowe the only duo in the history of basketball to win a national championship at both the high school and collegiate level. Our guest was selected by the Phoenix Suns in the 1983 NBA draft, which was just another stepping stone in his illustrious basketball career and journey that will ultimately propel him into a coaching career that spanned over two decades. This individual has worked as an analyst for ESPN and was executive producer for Survive and Advance, a 30 for 30 documentary detailing NC State's 1983 title run. He's also a philanthropist and currently serves as associate athletic director for community relations and student support at his alma mater, NC State. We would need a whole show to highlight all of his accomplishments and work within the community. But now let's hear from the man himself, Mr. Derek Wittenberg. Welcome to the Urban Sports Team. Well, I appreciate it. And I tell you, I've been on a lot of interviews and uh, what the maybe the best introduction I've ever had. I appreciate you guys. I am the Aladipo before the Aladipo. Oh. <laughs> hey, that's my Nigerian brother, man. Recognize Aladipo, <laughs> but I was there 
I was the prototype before Oladipo came to the Masters. Oh, know? man. So, no, I, 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 really, I really appreciate uh, the introduction, and thanks for having me on. Uh, as you know, it's been an emotional day with the uh, George Floyd uh, mm. trial and everything, and I've been on a, I've really been on the phone with a lot of student athletes and people in the community in the Raleigh area about the, you know, the emotional toll of that. So uh, that's why I was a little late. But uh, guys, thank you very much for having me, and I'd love to share my experiences. Awesome, all right, brothers. So we begin this DMV basketball series I just mentioned, following the release. Of Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant's documentary Basketball Counties, and we'd like to get your thoughts on the documentary as well as allow you the opportunity to share with our listeners some of the productions you're working on that will also focus on DC area basketball. Yeah, uh, PG and the Water. I saw it, and uh, I obviously uh, it's so ironic. I I interviewed uh, Stu Vetter, which one of, it was was one of his high school coaches at Montrose. Oh, <clears throat> and uh, hats off to him that uh, his, his incredible career in one year at Texas and then what he's done in the NBA by being a champion and being <clears throat> such a role model in the community. <clears throat> really appreciate the way he's representing not, not just the NBA but the DMV. And they did a really nice job of, uh, you know, highlighting the Prince George's County area. Some of most of the young guys and uh, Quinn Cook, the math guy who went on to, uh, to to go be an NBA champion and Michael Beasley, which I tried to recruit. So I'm very pleased <laughs> with those guys. They did a really, really nice job. It's such a hard subject to, uh, to cover because there's so many people that were in the 50s and the 60s and the mm-hmm. 70s. So it's mm-hmm. a big project trying to really cover not just PG County, but the whole DMV. So I, I really thought they did a nice touch. I'm I'm in the process of doing a a film that's going to cover the whole DMV. Mm-hmm. I'm also doing a project with ESPN on a ten part series on the history of the ACC tournament, and uh, it's what what exciting uh, project that's going to be, and that's uh, going to be on ESPN. So, in the midst of all of my my duties at NC State and all of my philanthropy, I'm still doing a lot of film work. I'm enjoying it. I enjoyed I enjoyed the history. Of, of our profession in basketball because I just want to honor and be humble to, to, to tell the story of the guys before. And I think that's what these stories are all about. So, mm-hmm. so you said you're working on a, you're working on something about the history of the ACC tournament. So I have a question about that. So are you going to cover, and Ray, you will see where I'm going with this, Ray. Are you going to cover that <laughs> weekend that Randolph, Randolph Childress had in the ACC tournament? Because that should be documented. <laughs> oh, we've already we we already interviewed Randolph. Oh man, one of the best <laughs> tournament runs ever. You know, he also played it. He also played at Montrose. You know, for Sue Vetter, mm. great player, mm. one of great. I mean, that run he had in the AC tournament Ooh. was unbelievable, and what he did at Wake Forest was was great. Once again, I had to remind Randolph. You made a lot of three pointers, but remember the old dude before you, me. I shot a lot of three pointers too, so you had to watch me to make some three pointers. And so we see now Randolph is great, and I uh, love his career, and uh, did a nice job in coaching. And uh, mm-hmm. although he left Wake Forest, he's got a bright future in, in college basketball. 
man, you're covering the 50s, the 60s, the 70s. You know, my cousin, David Thompson, one of the reasons why mm-hmm. I came to the state, may be the arguably the best, not only in the ACC, but maybe the best college basketball player in the history of the game. So a lot of great stuff. The great Maryland game, the triple overtime game between Maryland and, and NC State mm-hmm. in 73. We're going to have all that. It's going to, it's going to be really a lot of great history uh, about ACC basketball and a lot of great players. Yeah, ACC basketball was was all of it back in the day. Um, especially in my time frame, it was it was something to watch. It was that Big East basketball and ACC basketball was it for me. But I want to get back to to you, you know, as a youngster, you know, playing in the area, growing up, um, balling in, in the DC PG area. Uh, who were some of the people that you like playing against that maybe folks don't know about, or even folks who do know about? Man, there's so many. I'm gonna start off with Archie Pally who went to Salem College in West Virginia in 1977. He was the the all-time leading scorer in the country. I started off with him, Larry Spriggs, that played at how, uh, you know, the Branch brothers, Tommy, Adrian Branch, Garcia Hopkins. uh, You you know, there's so many guys. Stacey Robinson that played at Carlson was a a great player. Uh, Ducky Vaughn. I mean, there's so many guys that, I played in the rec centers and the playgrounds and not to mention the Adrian Dantley's and the Kenny Cars and Hawkeye Whitney's, but there's so many great players. You know, Penny Green is a young man that went to South Florida that played at uh, Parkdale, was an unsung hero from PG County area. So I, I'm just telling you, this it's so many. You, and you're going to miss them guys, but those are some of the guys I played in the rec centers that helped me get better. Mm. And believe it or not, guys, my real idol, the guy that really drove me, he was right mm-hmm. down the road, was was um, uh, the great boxer Sugar Ray Leonard. Oh. Mm. I remember when Sugar Ray Leonard was going to uh, going to the Olympics, he was knocking on doors trying to raise money uh, to, to, to get sponsored to go to the Olympics. He was in Palmer Park, and I lived in Glen Arden. And so mm-hmm. I was very familiar with the Sugar Ray Leonard. So I was influenced by all those before me that helped me all those guys encouraged me and I played against them. And those were the guys that really inspired me and they gave me a blueprint to, to look and say, you know what? I could be successful. I could go to college and, and do something with, with my career. And uh, thanks to all those guys who mentored me and helped me. Amazing. And you mentioned some legendary names and another legendary name, which I mentioned during your introduction was the great Morgan Wooten at DeMatha. Of course, we had a guest recently, Kenny Blake, and he also played for what it was like playing under the tutelage of such a boy, Coach Wooten. Uh, I think Coach Wooten was a man about principle and purpose. He taught us more about life than he dealt with basketball. You know, since I played with him and worked with him, he never mentioned the word win. It was always about the process. And he talked mm. to us about life as much as he talked to us about basketball. We learned a lot of keys the intangible, intangible lessons about how to conduct yourself as a young man, as a, as a person, as a student, and as an athlete. And I can't tell you how much we learned so much from him. I, I want to be remiss and not forget about the late John Thompson. Mm. Because back then, he was the mm-hmm. only black coach, the only role model that we saw in the D.C. area that was great success. So, you know, here it is. I'm 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 playing for Morgan Wooten, and also got admiration and admired the great 
uh, and the late John Thompson as well. So I had the privilege of playing and working for Morgan and also really admiring as, as a mentor from afar, the late, great Don Thompson. You are listening to the Urban Sports Scene right now. We are chatting with member of the 1982-83 NC State Championship squad and DMV hoop legend, Derek Wittenberg. So, um, so go right, sorry, go oh, right. Go ahead. No, go you right. Got no, you got it. You got it. Oh, he just mentioned NC State. That's where you would take your talents to next. What made you – oh, we already know what made you pick NC State. You just referenced it. Obviously, your cousin, another legend, was there. But just talk about that journey. And once you chose NC State, did you know or did you have a strong feeling that you were going to go there and win a national championship? And, you know, explain who was the coach there when you first got there because it wasn't Valvano at first. Yeah, I, w- I was recruited by Norm Sloan. And uh, Norm Sloan had won the championship in 74, obviously. And, uh, you know, I always had, you know, it's back in the day, the only conference in the country that was on TV was the ACC. Mm. So Raycom Sports, Jefferson Pilots, Saturday morning, you would get up and you would watch the ACC. And I would see that little crazy man with the checkered jacket, fiery <laughs> guy. I said, you know what? I like that coach. Man. I want to play for him. And my, I, I never forget it. Uh, my cousin David Thompson played at the old Cap Center. He came up and played. Uh, he was with the Denver Nuggets at the time. And I hadn't decided yet. But he said, Cuz, won't you go ahead and sign those papers? And uh, <laughs> that's basically how I signed my national letter of intent in the parking lot of the old Capitol. <laughs> 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 and, and, and that's how I went to NC State. And I know we had a good team. And then Thurl Bailey joined us. We thought that. Um, uh, Dominic Wilkins was slated to come with us as well, but at the end he went to Georgia. And we had a good basketball team. Uh, and, you know, obviously we had dreams and, and, and aberrations to win the national championship. Then our coach leaves after one year, and then in comes mm. uh, uh, Valvano. And he comes in from day one and said, I want to win the national championship. Mm. And, I mean, he talked about it constantly. And we got to the point North Carolina wanted in my junior year. They wanted in 82 when my, uh, Michael Jordan was on the team. They had James Worthy and Sam Perkins. Then mm-hmm. uh, the year after, it was our senior year, man, and we needed to make a run. And uh, we wanted to copy what NC State. And we, you know, we started off great and uh, was a, a top 25. And all of a sudden I got hurt. And then the, the team took a little dive. And then they came back. And then I came back. And. Well, I tell you what, 11 games later, uh, you know, we were, we were headed on our way to winning the national championship. Man, you played an amazing time. I mean, you just mentioned that North Carolina team, and I just thought about it. Wasn't Lynn Bias in the ACC at the same time? Am I, or am I wrong? Hey, uh, the late Lynn Bias was there. He absolutely, yes, we played against him that year, and uh, he was blossoming. He was really coming into his own. He really took off, you know, his junior and senior year, but yeah, the late Lenny was a great, great player. Right down in Palmer Park, right, right mm-hmm. close, right down in Sea Pleasant, and uh, played against them. We played against the number one team uh, in the in the in the country that year seven times. You know, and also mm. I want to mention you you referenced it earlier. The class of '79, with mm. ninety uh, over ninety percent of those guys stayed for four years. 
The class of 79 is tabbed as the best high school class in the history of high school basketball. You mentioned Ooh. Isaiah Thomas, Clyde oh, yeah. Drexler, uh, Ralph Sampson, uh, Dominic Wilkins. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, great class, great players. And uh, so we got a chance to play for four years and get some of the base, best guys who stayed in college for four years. Yeah, I mean, I saw John Paxson and Byron Scott were also part of that class. I'm like, wow, that was just, I don't know if it's talked about enough. And I just, you know, I love the history lesson because, as I mentioned when I talked to you last week, I like for our young people to learn about, you know, what came before them and, and what's helped them get to this point. And you mentioned, you know, being able to watch ACC basketball on Saturday mornings. Now look at it. It's at our fingertips. We can watch it on our phones. They are so blessed. And I just appreciate, you know, individuals like yourself to help pave the way. And let's talk a little bit more about that NC State team. I mean, look at that. I think it's the biggest and most improbable championship run in college basketball history, arguably at least. And, again, you play for a guy that we will never forget about every year. You know, we we hear about the V Foundation campaign. What was it like playing for Coach Bavano? What a personality. Uh, Players, coach. Love people, infectious personality, great leader. Um, he, he just, the, the guy just loved life. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, and we, he, so he was the leadership. He believed in us. He trusted us. You know, the three things you look for you know, in a team and, and in life, you look for trust, truth, and transparency. And he gave us all of that. And so I can't tell you enough my relationship as a player and a coach with Jim Valvano was, was awesome. And winning that championship the way we won that championship. Look, mm. were, this, that was 38 years ago. Mm. And mm. people are still talking about it. You know, mm-hmm. I did that film, Surviving in Advance, mm. on ESPN. It was a 30 for 30. It's, it's the only 30 for 30 that's won an Emmy Award. Mm. Mm. Last Christmas, 68 million people watched Surviving in Advance. It's the most watched sports documentary in the world. And I had no idea that we still will be talking about that championship 38 years from now. And that's how incredible it was. So let's talk about the championship. I do want to talk about the 30 for 32, but I want to talk about that championship. So you're playing, and you mentioned, you know, the class of Clyde Drexler, but you're playing against a team, a Houston Cougars team that was stacked with Drexler and, and Olajuwon. And Ray and I always talk about, you know, sometimes when you're the underdog, when you're playing against a team like that, that just gives you that much of an added motivation because no one thinks you're going to be in the game. No one's really counting you in the game. They're all counting you out. Was playing that type of team the added motivation you guys needed to win that championship? Well, we, we were in a, a better psychological position because nobody mm-hmm. on Houston because mm. everybody thought they mm. were going to win in all of their talent yeah. because we played against Michael Jordan and James Worthy so we've seen great players but we gave them a lot of respect but let me just tell you something guys we gave them a lot of respect but that Elijah one that's another dude that's another dude he's just like okay yeah yeah that's a lot well yeah we know he's good but when you get out there man and you start going to bat it's like a dark cloud comes over the bat he's like man I can't see I'm trying to lay the ball up and I can't see <laughs> this dude comes from I don't know where he comes from oh, I said, wow. man I'm gonna stay outside and shoot me some jumpers man oh. this dude is scary man he cut 
He controls the whole inside. <laughs> he blocks every shot. He gets every rebound. And I, like I said in the film, he's a problem, guy. Mm. He's a problem. Last <laughs> one was the real deal. That's oh. the one guy on that team. So true. That really was the difference maker. He yeah. was the difference maker. Yeah, cause I, it's funny because I was watching the game. To watch the whole game, I think I was watching on. I want to say was the ESPN Classic. It was. It was a ESPN. It was definitely on ESPN. They showed the whole game. <laughs> so I was watching the whole game, and uh, that's okay. First, it came to mind. I was like, you. I mean, that's like NC State's playing a great team brand of basketball. Like that popped out. Like it's a great team brand of basketball. And then when I was watching Lajo, I was like, good God. <laughs> like I was like like what you're just saying right now I was like he was everywhere and he wasn't as offensively gifted as he turned out to be years later but in terms of just being an athlete blocking shots just being intimidator uh being you know still good, the, good on the block I was like geez like I, I was amazed I was I was really amazed by what I saw from a young Akeem yeah yeah he's a, he, guys he was a real deal mm-hmm. man real he's a real deal and uh that last play uh, that last 44 seconds mm-hmm. really mm. was a telltale because, I mean, he could have easily, if he would have reached up, but he didn't want to go to, if he'd have reached up and win the overtime, you guys might not have been talking to me. <laughs> Don't, so, say he, he <laughs> Don't say that. Don't say that. He would have grabbed that rebound. But we, had to, we had to see that joke in overtime, man. <laughs> I don't know. They might have got smart and said, you know what? They can't really guard him. We're going to throw the ball to him every time inside because we can't really stop him. But, uh, yeah, man, he he was – and, you know, he was very nice um, to interview for our project. He was very Mm -hmm. gracious. And I I tell him all the time, I tell him and Clyde when I see him sometimes at these events, I say, guys, just look at it this way. I said, you gave us the national championship. But inspired you to win two championships when y'all went to Houston. Mm. So you know it, it yeah. really helped y'all. Mm-hmm. That helped y'all get to the college. I made y'all hungry, you know. Made y'all hungry, man. But yeah, it went great, guys. Great championship, man. Yeah, what what a run! And I just I can't tell you I'm humbled by having that experience. Man, let me ask you real quick. This is just a side note, but what is it like for you being in that college town and just you know the, the area surrounding? State college, as they call it, down at NC State, because you won a national championship. You a championship game MVP. Like you get discounts on meals. Can we go to the Waffle House with you and get hooked up? Like we know, hey, we know hey, Derek Weber. Hey. What's your life like down there, still, man? Thirty years my, later, my, 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 my nickname is you know Roy Cooper is the governor. They call him the political governor, uh-huh. but they call Derek Wittenberg the people's governor. Hey. <laughs> You only see the governor doing doing election time, but I'm everywhere twenty four seven. Guys, if you come with me, there's gonna be free golf, there's gonna be free meals, there's gonna be lots of love. So if you come in Raleigh, man, I, I'm the guy you want to get to. Hey Ray, you hear this? You wanna, you wanna Ray, will you hear me? this? We got all right. <laughs> I'm the guy you want to get to. I'm gonna take you down to Jimmy B's restaurant downtown, mm. and now uh, we're gonna get a Wittenberger. We're gonna get you a nice hamburger. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna, we're gonna do it. We're gonna do it upright. But you know, guys, people don't think about this. So this, I can I arrived at NC State 1979. Mm. Here it is, uh, 2021. And I tell these young people every day. I said five presidents. Five ADs, I say five decades of NC State history. Mm. It's hard to get around me, brother. Mm-hmm. So enjoy enjoy this history lesson that I'm getting ready to give you mm. because I've seen a whole lot of things coming through 
uh, this this university and in the state of North Carolina. As you as you mentioned, I'm heavily involved in the Jimmy V Foundation for Cancer mm-hmm. Research. I got a foundation which uh, the Derek Wittenberg Foundation, which we raise money uh, to help juniors and seniors finish college. You know, I've averaged 192 events wow. uh, across the, the state of North Carolina and Raleigh, supporting all kinds of organizations. So being involved in the community is being present and being involved. And so you got to, if you want to help everybody, let's help everybody a little bit. And mm-hmm. if we help each and everybody a little bit, all of us will grow together. Mm, so true. I would like to, I would like to go back to something you said earlier, because I'm a, uh, actually, because I'm a big fan of uh, Coach Thompson. So we got, we, since we got extra time, um, so you mentioned how when you you growing up, Coach Thompson was in, was definitely a guy that you looked up to. Like, can you just elaborate that a, a little bit more because he's a guy that I look up to, um, even growing up in this area as well. Well, yeah, well, well if you read his book, uh, "I Came as a Shadow" by Jesse Washington, it's an excellent read. Yeah, you got to read John Thompson's book, and uh, he was probably the misunderstood guy because he grew up in Jim Crow and it's a great read about the history and how he became who he was as a great coach. Uh, but, uh, I, I tell you, I watching him from afar and have an opportunity to work with him at the black coaches association in 1987. Uh, the man had purpose from day one mm. and the man didn't get the credit that he deserved because he was smart. He was calculating and the guy was very successful in the high school and the college level. So, I appreciate uh, him and all the things being around him, the things mm. I learned from him. Uh, what a man. you got to read the book, I Came in mm. the Shadow by Jesse Washington. Excellent read. And uh, what what a journey that, that the late John Thompson had. Mm. Uh, I'm, I'm saving one of my best questions for last. At least I feel like it's my best question because <laughs> we, ha- we, we, we've had Coach Bush McAdams on the show. I mentioned that to you, you know, coaches, it's great for our show. He even inspired the Washington Nationals to win a World Series because he came on here and he bashed them so bad. <laughs> I think that they that they took that to heart. But um, you know, one thing he did at the end of his his last interview, which we touched on DC area basketball, was he named his Mount Rushmore of DC area basketball. And he mentioned yourself. He mentioned Elgin Baylor and Kevin Durant. If you had to put together uh, a Mount Rushmore of basketball players from the DMV. Who would be on it? Wow, man. Come on, man. Come on, man. Y'all put me on the spot, man. There you go. Well, you got to start with Elton Baylor. Mm -hmm. We just lost Mm -hmm. him, but Mm -hmm. what a tremendous player. You got to go with Adrian Dantley. You got to go with Adrian. You got to go with Kevin Durant, Mm -hmm. of course. Man, I mean, I tell you what. Woo. Now now you – now you now you put me in a spot with these other two, man. <laughs> I, I, I'm a I'm a throw Lynn Bias in there because although mm. we didn't get to see him, I think if we had a a pro career, I think he would have definitely been in there. And then now when you talk about DMV, you know I, I'm kind of thinking, okay, I'm probably missing somebody, but how can we leave out, you know, Alonzo and 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 and, and, and AI? You know, how can yeah. we leave those guys out? Ooh, yeah. So, you know, I, I, I mean, I hate doing that, but I think the first four, I'm good. <laughs> I think the first four, I'm good. Elgin Baylor, you know, KD, Adrian Dantley, 
Uh, Lynn Bias. I think I'm. I think I'm okay with. Those I think you're good. I think, I think, mm. I'm, I think, I think you're good. I think I'm good with those four. Yeah. That fifth one is a toss up, man. Yeah. Ooh. You don't want hurt nobody feelings. You don't want tough. hurt nobody feelings. You can keep that one a little. You know. You yeah. make. Yeah, Some people yeah, get a little that, salty. That fifth one's a tough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, that 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 fifth one, man. It's a, it's a, it's tough, man. Uh, uh, I I know there's some old school guys in there we forget, mm-hmm. but uh, mm. I, I, I I'm gonna just throw Archie Talley in there. I'm gonna throw Archie in there because he was mm. '77 and he was the first guy in the area that that, that uh, led the country in scoring. So mm. I, I'm gonna go with Archie Talley. Yeah, how about that? that? That sounds like a good one, Ray. You like it? I I think it's dope, man. Uh, uh, you didn't you didn't mention your homeboy Sidney Lowe, and my man Wole wanted to ask. Well, yeah. I mean, he, you guys had when you go to point when you go to point guard, now Sidney. Okay, I'm about you know, to say. I, 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 I didn't want to I didn't want to leave out Dennis Scott. Mm. Dennis Scott's in there. I didn't Woo. want Grant Hill. Yeah. I got mm. Grant Hill. So you know, I got wow. a lot of dudes I can put in there now. Yeah. I mean, Dennis Scott was Player of the Year in high school. Great career at Georgia Tech. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He had a long NBA career, so we got Dennis Scott in the conversation too, yeah, man. Definitely, Scott's in there too, man. So yeah. I'm just saying. You just, and you mentioned you Randolph know, Childress I, too. You ran. You mentioned Randolph. Yeah, Randolph is in there too. Randolph is in there. <laughs> He's in there too. He's I'm in just, there too. I'm just saying. You know, so we got to wait to see what Oliver Depot does mm-hmm. and some of these other young guys. Yeah, we got some guys in there. Definitely, definitely. So. Sydney Lowe, I mean, I, I think it's pretty cool that you won a, a national championship in high school in DeMatha with your with your boy Sydney Lowe. Go to NC State and do the same thing. Like, how was that experience? Just to do it from again, doing it from high school and then doing it in the in, in college in college basketball. Well, it, it's it's one thing to go with your college teammate, but one of your best friends in life, and, uh, and you know, for us to go through that journey was was incredible. You know, three years in high school, we lost seven games in high school. I think we won 113 games, including summer league, and only lost seven. And then we went to college and won a national championship. You know, that kind of relationship and stuff we spent together is lifetime stuff, man. We we'll ever be connected for the rest of our lives. And uh, you know, he's more than just a teammate to me. He's one of my best friends, like a brother to me. So uh, I love him to death. One of the smartest guys I ever played uh, played uh, 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 with. I never played against him. The only time I played against him one time in practice, we almost got in a fight. You know, <laughs> that sounds about right. The first time we <laughs> yeah, we almost got to fight. We tried to we tried to beat each other to death. And the coach said, "No, nah, I can't put you two. You two always got to stick together because y'all gonna kill each other." <laughs> well, that's how we get better. And guys, just the last thing I'm gonna say. Here's the difference between some of the guys in the DMV that separates the great players mm. from the good players. Mm-hmm. There's a difference between predators and competitors. Mm. Predators are guys that eat competitive. Mm. The predators are the guys, like guys I mentioned, the Dennis Scott, the KDs, and the great players that came from We want to compete at everything that we do. Mm. Competing is not part-time. Competing is full-time. And competing is not about putting up numbers. Competing is about winning. Competing is about winning championships and putting the banners up, baby. That's the difference between a predator and a competitor. Mm. 
Preach. And that's the DMV. Well, brother, we appreciate you. <laughs> we appreciate you for being on. I'm proud to say that you from the same zip code as me. And is, is right, there right. anything that you might want to add before we let you go? Hopefully we can have you on again. Also, plug your social media handles as well. Yeah, DWIT1983 is my Twitter handle. Listen, all I want to say is that I appreciate you guys giving me an opportunity to share a little wisdom, share a little knowledge, mm-hmm. share the experience. I love what the new generation is doing, but I always want to pay homage to those that's before us. They gave us the blueprint that helped us be successful. You guys keep doing your thing. You keep uh, really spreading all the love and all the positive things about DMV sports. I love what you guys are doing. Keep keep up the good work. Thank you so appreciate much. That, we brother. appreciate it. We definitely appreciate that. No problem. I I can be on any time. You can have me on every week if you want. T Ray. Oh oh okay. Uh oh. Don't. Uh oh. Uh oh. Hey. <laughs> all you got to do is call me, baby. That's all you got. All right. All right. Hey, I'm gonna hold you to it. You said it. Hey, I'm gonna hold you to it. Call me anytime, man. Oh, love it. Anytime. I'll be in t- I'll be in touch though, man. I I I just need to tap into you, like I said, for wisdom and you know, just for knowledge, man, and, and the sports game and also in and media, man. We we've seen a lot since we've been doing this since two thousand ten now. So we'll be in touch. But have a blessed night, brother. Appreciate you. All right, appreciate you guys. Take care. Good luck. Take care. Thank you so much. Uh, man, that's that was dope, man. Again, that was uh Derek Wittenberg. Uh, again, he's part of that 1982 to 83 NC State national championship team. You can follow him on Twitter, and that's at D Witt NC State D W H I T T N C State. Oh man, much appreciated, much appreciated. All right, former Washington quarterback Alex Smith has retired. Did he change the team's culture? We'll discuss this after the break. You're listening to the Urban Sports Saint for ages. You dig? Deuces. What it do? I'm your homie Wole with the Urban Sports Saint, part of Empire Media. And I'm here to tell you about Monkey Knife Fight. Monkey Knife Fight is the fastest growing sports gaming platform in North America. While being the third largest daily fantasy sports platform. It's easy to play. Users don't have to spend all day analyzing salary caps and lineups like other daily fancy sports sites. It also offers all the major sports plus UFC, golf, esports, soccer, college basketball, NASCAR, and much more. Plus, users won't compete against thousands of professionals with algorithms like other daily fantasy sports sites. That crap could be annoying. Monkey Knife Fight has various jackpot contests such as Home Run Derby, which is the MLB $5,000 jackpot on Fridays, and Eagle Eye, which is the PGA $2,500 jackpot on Thursdays. Sign up now and get your chance to win the bag. Go to www.monkeyknifefight.com. Again, that is www.monkeyknifefight.com and don't forget to sign up using the code urban again that's urban that's u-r-b-a-n urban hey help me make you great you are listening to the urban sports scene with wole will t and Ray Jeezy, part of Empire Media. All right, yesterday it was announced that um, Alex Smith is retiring um, as a starter for the Washington football team. Smith was 11 and 5. Did he change, help change Washington's losing culture? 
<laughs> um, that's an interesting question. Uh, I will say no. And here's why. Um, Alex Smith, even though he was, you know, he was injured, that, I mean, he played, he played, he, he was able to get Washington a winning record when he was the starting quarterback, um, that first season. Then the injury, and then they drafted Dwayne Haskins, and then they, um, then he came, then he, uh, came back from the injury. And, you know, started the rest of the season for Washington until, until his, um, that final injury, um, toward, what was it, week 16 or 17? You're talking about the, uh, the, the, the gruesome injury. Oh, you know, you're talking about last year. Uh, it was week that the Niners game. Yeah, last year. Uh, that's, that was probably yeah, not- a couple games before that. Um, I want to say about 15, maybe 14, 15. Um, because that, they had a couple games after that. They had the Carolina game, then they had, uh, the, there was a Carolina game, the Eagles game. What else? There was another game before that. Maybe it was week 15. You could be right, Will. Uh, week 15. Yeah. Um, back to my point. No, I, I don't think he has. He had, he wasn't around the team as much to make a, as a profound impact in that locker room and throughout that organization. I think one thing that he did do was he showed, uh, everyone inside that building what it is, what it's like to persevere, mm-hmm. to endure. Um, through extremely tough times. And look, also the coach has done that too, right? We know that he battled mm-hmm. uh, a form of cancer this past season and didn't miss any games. Um, he got his treatment sometimes at halftime of games and he stood up on the side, on that sideline and he was there at practice every day. So, um, no, I, I don't think he, he changed the culture, changed the culture at all. Yeah. So I think he, he inspired some people, but he didn't change the culture. So maybe that's a better term of word to use. Like, well, yeah, what's up, what's up, Ray? Go ahead, bro. Uh, my bad. Go ahead. No, 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 no. no actually, no. You asked me. You, you called my name. Please. <laughs> I just want to ask, <laughs> what is the culture of Washington football? How would you describe the culture before, of Washington football? Before or? No, right now. Just currently. I'm talking uh, in general. In uh, general. Before you, losing. Uh, uh, factoring losing. in the past and the present. Oh, man. It's but a losing culture? losing culture uh, in, in terms of how to, mm. how to operate, how a whole organization should operate. And that's upstairs and downstairs uh, and, and on the field. Uh, within mm. coaching, practicing, practices and in front office and acquisitions and just how to build a team. Um, and just a mentality. I thought, you know, prior to Coach Rivera, um, it was it wasn't what you wanted in an organization. Um, I just thought that, you know, like Will said, I think Rivera is part of it. I do think Alex is part of it to the to the part uh, only not only to the part of sh- like Will mentioned, you know, showing these individuals how to be professionals. I think that's the most important thing when you're having young players to cultivate an environment to kind of grow in to have these guys take it to the next level is that you have vets who can show these guys how to do their job and do it well. It's just like anything in life. You need to have that individual to mentor you, to mentor you or show you not need to, but it's good to have that individual to mentor you, to show you the way, the way to do things. And if you can have a guy who can do that in the positive light and the positive level, I think that helps your organization. That's why to a certain extent, I think I do think he's helped put this team in a good position to kind of upstart it to a winning mentality because you saw a dude that dealt with what he had to deal with to, to get back on the football field. And even prior to that, he's always been a guy that a lot of people admired because he did things to help the team win, you know, regardless of, you know, stats or whatnot. Like he was 
regardless of what you look at in terms of not throwing 400 or 500 yards, a lot of his player, his teammates offensively, offensively and defensively uh, like playing with the dude. So I just think that in terms of what he brought to the table for this team, yeah, I think he helped them take their take, hopefully t- take the mentality to a different level with compared to what it used to be. You know what's interesting, and Will, you used the right word, inspire, and that's what Alex Smith did. Mm-hmm. Just the perseverance uh, uh, he's displayed is amazing, but it, it began far beyond his injury. You know, just being a number one draft pick out of Utah, <laughs> out of Utah, and we're talking about football, and, and, and he played the quarterback position. It's amazing. But I want to go back to the culture real quick. I don't want to uh, divert topics yeah. as much, but I do want to say, when you think about Florida State University football, you know it's a rich tradition and culture. Even when they have down seasons, yeah. it's Florida State. Mm-hmm. When you think Chicago Bears football, you know the history. Why is it that, I mean, is, has Dan Snyder stained this franchise so bad that even though Washington historically had a very rich yes. winning culture, that it, it's fallen so far because it's looked at as like a bad franchise, like uh, like a Cincinnati Bengals or a franchise that has never won. Yes. That, I mean, you know, some franchises have just never won. And Washington is viewed like that, and it shouldn't be. And it's unfortunate. We're talking about if Alex Smith, as an 11-5 11, 11 starter, changed the culture. It's crazy. No, I think – but, you're, but it's, it's all true, though, to what you're saying. It's all true. It's, there's no – he has dropped this organization to that point. You know what I'm saying? Like, with even like Jack Kent Cook, you know, he had his negative – he had his flaws, too. Um, but in terms of how, having an or, uh, a staff and a team and a unit – to help this team, you know, to keep this team as one of the, one of the more professional teams in the NFL, he did, you know, with Coach Gibbs, Charlie Cashley, even before that with Bobby Beathard. Um, these are individuals that he had in the, on, on his team running his ship that had this team playing winning football and having a winning culture. You can't say you can't say the same thing with uh, Daniel Snyder. So, and like to this point, right to this point. So now, you know, looking at, I'm not saying that Alex Smith is like. He's the he's the main reason because I think actually you know this the question that I put out there is a little iffy and I, and I get it but he's part of the reason you know what I mean like I feel like he's part of the reason for this team now to take it to the next jump because you see what you you see a professional mm-hmm. I think it's very important to see a professional you see a professional and now you know okay this is how it how it's supposed to be because the the kids in Alabama they were used to Nick Saban they were used to seeing professionals they were used to winning like you mentioned Florida State Alabama was the same way those dudes when they got here Mm-hmm. They got confused. I was in there. They were like, "Yo, what is what is this?" Like they were like, "What is this?" Then they start to fall for, fall prey to the norm here. So now you bring a guy outside of this organization, like you like was winning uh, in Kansas City and San Francisco, and showed them a different way of doing things in the pra- on practice, watching film, whatever. It rubs off. It's just natural to rub off. So that's my thing. I like. I feel like him being in the building did help out. Oh, he saved the season last year, definitely. Yeah, so, I mean, it just depends on – but, again, I, I agree. I think the whole question about do you change the whole culture, you made the whole culture. Maybe that's a little bit facetious. But, yeah, I think to a certain extent he did help out um, – he did help out changing the viewpoints for, for many of the young players. That I will say. One quick point to put a bow on this before we go to break. Mm-hmm. Um, oftentimes when we think of culture, we think of – culture starting at the top Mm -hmm. right starts with ownership it starts with upper management whether you're in business any form of business you're in um including sports the ownership sets the tone um Mm -hmm. alex smith while he may like ray and myself have 
spoke said he he may have inspired some of the players, showed them what it's like to be a professional, uh, be a true professional, and persevere. The culture of this team will not change until something, until ownership changes. And you know, um, who we don't know, you know, if Daniel Snyder, you know, depending on how this um, investigation goes, we don't know if possibly Daniel Snyder ownership could possibly change. So we, you know, it's something um, we, we, we just don't know um, what, what's come, what'll come of it from, um, from a cultural standpoint. So, you know, culture won't change because there's no continuity in the football operations. The only continuity is the owner and you'll continue to get what you get. From Daniel Snyder, now to Davey Martinez, <laughs> the Nats have started the season 5-9. and nine. Is manager Davey Martinez to blame? We'll discuss that next. You're listening to the Urban Sports Scene on Empire Media. Listening to the urban sports scene with Will T, Ray Jeezy, and myself, Wole, part of Empire Media. All right, the Nats have started the season, like Bray mentioned before the break, the Nats have started the season five and nine. Uh, is Davey Martinez to blame? Um, no, I, I don't think Davey Martinez is to blame. Um, Davey Martinez has essentially been dealing with the hand he's dealt. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's playing with the hand he's dealt, and he's also had to overcome um, a COVID outbreak um, that's rocked the team. You know, for the first for the first uh, week for the first week of the season. Um, I don't think he should be to blame. I think if anyone is to blame here, we should po- probably look upstairs. Uh, you know, Mike Rizzo's done a, a fantastic job um, during his duration as the president of operations for the, for the Washington nationals. But um, I think in the off season, he may have overspent in some areas. I know um, Kyle Schwarber, he had that monster walk off home run uh, a couple of days ago um, to get the win for the Nats, but $10 million for him, for a guy who, you know, historically hasn't, um, had who hasn't historically um, had a, a, a great batting average. I think there could have been money well spent in other areas. Um, then also the Josh Bell um, trade isn't particularly working out um, as we thought he would, as we thought he potentially would be. You know, he had a down year last year. We thought that he would he would uh, rebound. He's only hitting 148 now um, with an on-base percentage of 250, you know, those are two major off-season acquisitions that we thought would potentially turn out different, definitely for this team. So, um, no, I don't think Davey Johnson should be to blame. I think part of part, most of the Uh-oh. responsibility is upstairs. 
Johnson. <laughs> David Johnson. No, uh, you said David Johnson. <laughs> no, nah, so it's funny. So Dave I, Martinez. I know what you know what you meant, bro. He know what you meant. Nah, it's um, all good. <laughs> so it, it's interesting. I, I think that it's early. It is early. I think that's the fair thing to say. It's early. Um, but I do think by watching some some of the games and just of manage just managing style because Dusty would do certain things mm. and people would kind of crucify him for. It. Um, and you look at what Davey's mm-hmm. doing and some of the stuff that you scratch your head. I'm sorry. Just just watching, you scratch your head. And, yeah, Bale has struggled. But a lot of guys struggle early. Um, he, he's part of COVID. We're going to use COVID. He was part of that COVID situation where he had to sit out games too. So he's just trying to get his rhythm back. He's trying to find his rhythm. Um, so he's working He's working through that. I agree with Sh- uh, Shorber. Um, obviously, he's never been a high average player, but you knew what you got. They knew what they were getting in, in terms of that. A guy that they just wanted to get and hit 30 home runs, and he can definitely hit 30 home runs. So they just wanted that power. They want that power in the lineup. There are things you're, and there are things with the pitching staff and the pen that he he just doesn't have it. Like there are certain individuals that just have it with the comes to the bullpen um, and the pitching staff. They, they either they believe in their pitchers or they don't, um, or either they they know they know they trust. What the what that pin can do, and they know situations where they're good at and where they're not really good at. And to me, Davey just struggles with that whole situation. He'll keep it. For instance, we we'll watch. Let's talk about Joe Ross. Joe Ross pitched yesterday. Joe Ross didn't have it. There was no way that Joe Ross should have should have seen about four or five. He shouldn't even seen that many innings. Like you could have brought in somebody else. Joe Ross isn't Matt Scherzer. Joe Ross isn't Steven Strasburg. Right? He's just not that guy. He's a good pitcher who, to me, can has the ability to be, you know, could be a 10, 11, 12 game winner. He can, he can definitely have, he definitely has the skill set to do that. But you saw he's throwing 92 miles per hour, couldn't locate his fastball, couldn't throw strikes, and then when he did throw strikes, he was getting hammered. You take him out early. There's no need for him to, to for for you to even try to throw yourself out that game. There's no need for that. On the flip side, you would have a guy, kid like Eric Fetty. This is all about consistency. Eric Fetty, who is going good, maybe gave up two runs. You take him out in four to four to third inning because you just don't trust it. You just take him out. Now you're taxing your bullpen because you're now you're asking your bullpen to put a lot of work because you just you just don't trust Eric Fetty. So it's just because mm-hmm. it's a lot of things that he could do as a manager, because as a manager to help his team out. It definitely in terms of and not just for that game, but for the long run. Because if you're going to keep yank, if a kid is showing you that he's pitching well. And because you just don't trust him, you're just going to be like, you know what? I'm a yank him and I'm going to play my pen. What you're doing is you're punishing your pen. Like you're punishing your pen for week, for tomorrow's game, the game, the game, the game after tomorrow or whatever. If it gets to a point where there are certain, certain dudes that you're going to have to trust. You know what I'm saying? And there's certain guys. Yeah, there's certain guys who deserve a leeway. Don't get it twisted. Like Strauss deserves leeway. Scherzer deserves leeway. Corbin deserves leeway, even though he's struggling. But he's, he's pitched good tonight. He deserves leeway. But the other guys, if you're going to manage a certain way, then manage it consistently. Because what's going to happen, let's be real, what's going to happen is that you got other dudes that are looking at the next person and be like, whoa, dude ain't even pitching that way, but you're going to yank me off of that, but you're not going to yank him. You know, Players talk. Like, that's what's going to happen. So, to me, he's going to have to fix that whole situation, how he handles the pin and how he handles some of his starters. In terms of lineups, um, I'm cool with Turner start leading off. Maybe he should he should definitely have um, Harrison at, at the two spot to me. But again, that's his thing. I would I would I would like to have Soto hit three um, because I think he's more comfortable at three. 
but he's got to play with his lineups because he's just trying to figure out. He's just trying to find a niche. So I understand that at the beginning of the season, you're trying to find his way. I'm not saying that Davey is the, the end-all, be-all reason that they're losing, but I do think Davey's part of the problem at this particular point in time. <laughs> I'm just laughing because these criticisms have been here. Guys, remember, yeah. before the team went on that run to win a road series, the, the cries for David Martinez's removal were louder than ever. I think we, ha- we haven't reached that point, but this is reminiscent. But I do think because of what you said, it's a long season. We have to give it time. At 14, 14 to 15 games in, mm-hmm. it's not a good indication of how the season is going to turn out. I do mm-hmm. think the Nats will find their bat. But when you're a manager, you're going to take the heat. That's just part of being yeah. in that position. But in terms of lineups, in terms of you know situational um, spots where he hasn't necessarily seemed to make the best decisions, including in the postseason. There were some head scratches yeah, in the postseason, yeah. even, even when the team experienced See, the success. That's the win. He would pull his pitches. You just referenced that. Um, that means nothing. Not, not a lot has changed. But what helps, of course, is when you're able to overcome that. Right now, yeah. they're not hitting well enough to overcome yeah. a managerial mistake. That's the, and that's the, that's the point, right? That's where I like, that's the thing. Right. Like, when you have, okay, so this is the thing. When you have talent, like supreme talent, you know, and the run, like the run they won the championship, your your aces were your aces. Like they weren't just good. They were freaking f- fantastic. Like Corbin, Scherzer, uh, and Strasburg, like they would go late in and they would give you, matter of fact, they were so good. You can use them as relievers. So you didn't really have to do that much thinking to the point where, all right, dude, you're like, my dudes were going to, they were gonna they, they were gonna carry me like my workhorses were going to carry me throughout this whole situation. Soto, I mean Soto was like it. He was the best player in baseball throughout that postseason run. It's definitely in the World Series. So and Rendon was great. So you had like your players stood out and they shined out. To your point, Ray, you're right. It gets if your team is struggling, that's a kind of when you kind of want to lean on your manager a little bit more, right? Like so they can kind of make adjustments. You know what I'm saying? Like there's certain. Like, for instance, Tony La Russa, who coaches now for the White Sox, like, he will manipulate his bullpen to work that situation to a point where his offense doesn't have to be key, but he knows he can get his he can get the best out of his bullpen mm, to keep him in game. That's what I'm saying. Good like, point. there's certain managers, like, if you look at some baseball teams, bro, there are some teams that are competing that don't have, I don't, even with COVID, that don't have the talent that Nationals have, even with the COVID situation. Like, the Marlins should be competing in games like that. They shouldn't be, but they compete. They compete. Like the Marlins compete. Regardless of their record, they compete. You got um uh like the White, the Twins, the like look at the look at the rosters, dude. And you'll be like, oh, like the Nats are struggling, but those other teams are still kind of like they're they're staying afloat. Um the 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 Boston Red Sox were horrible last season in that shortened uh COVID year. And and again, they don't have as much talent as the Nationals for real. They don't. But they're winning. They're first in the AL East right now. Great points. Great points. <clears throat> great point. That's about great points, Wallace. Wallace. You are closer, Wallace. 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 You are closer. Oh man, I love you, you guys. Closer. Right, I love you guys, man. Hey, and you just steal the deal. You just steal the win. <laughs> you guys are so amazing. Me. I'm so touched. All right, subscribe to our podcast on Stitcher, Spotify, <laughs> iTunes, <laughs> Tune in iHeartRadio and Google Podcast. Just search the Urban Sports Scene. Also, tweet us at Urban Sports Scene. Hit us up on our Urban Sports Scene Facebook page and check and check us out uh, at our home, uh, Empire Media at AmpireMedia.com. I appreciate everybody for listening. Um, again, man, I'm rooting for the Nats. Hope the Nats win. You know, I'm an Orioles fan. You know what I mean? And I think we're winning right uh, now. Well, we're, we're winning right now. Just love, 
got a little bit hard. Well, no, they're down. Well, we were we were up six oh, three. I was just gonna say the net. Oh, the Nets are down two one. Oh, yeah. So. Oh, we down. We up six four. Oh, they might. They, we might lose that one anyway. But yeah, but that's the Nets. The Nets may pull this out though. I think they can. The long thing get to the bullpen, they can pull it out. You know what I'm saying? All trust. I, I trust. I trust the Nets talent. All right, man. Hey, I want first off, I want to say a big shout out again to uh Derek Wittenberg. He was great, Ray. Uh, appreciate you for, for you. Appreciate you for getting that hook, getting us hooked up with that, man. Uh, you the real MVP on that one, bro. <laughs> I just want some flowers, brother. Want some flowers? That's the thing. <laughs> hey, you got you got your flowers, bro. You got your flowers, dude. All we'll right. play tennis at Flowers High School. I got you. <laughs> hey, man. Anyway, you've been listening to the Urban Sports Scene for ages. You dig? Deuces. Hey, Will is the real MVP, man. He struggled through this whole thing, man. Big up, big ups to Will T, man. MJ, you know MJ what I'm saying? Fadeaway. You know what I'm saying? He the dude, man. Hey, Scotty Pippen, hug, brother. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> hey, man, lead us out, big homie. <laughs> Peace.